Welcome to uh, St. James. Welcome to the uh, to our Ash Wednesday service, the first service of Lent. Uh, just a couple of notes here. So uh, when so when we do the imposition of ashes, if you're new to this, you can read about it there. Just everybody, kind of on your own. We don't we don't need ushers for this. Kind of file to the center and line up here in the middle. And then once once you've received the ashes, uh, you can peel off. Of course, uh, this is if you are new here. Nobody's required to get the ashes. This isn't a sacrament. And so um, uh, if you would like to receive the imposition of ashes, as a reminder that uh, we're dust and to dust we'll return, uh, receiving ashes is a very biblical thing, then uh, please line up here whenever it's time. The other thing is this, and I I don't ever make announcements about this, and then I always regret doing it during Advent and Lent services. We end the service in a different way than we normally do. I do the benediction, and then we sing a final hymn, and I walk out in the final hymn, and then everybody kind of sits around and waits for something to happen. But I, I'm already gone, and the service is over. So when the last hymn is done, just feel free to dismiss yourself, and I'll be out there to, to greet you as you go by. And then uh, some of the ladies have brought baked goods for us after the service, so we can uh, all meet down there and um, talk for a while and uh, fellowship. Okay, uh, please stand with me, and let's begin with prayer. Specifically, let's begin with the litany for Ash Wednesday. Pray with me. O Lord, have mercy. O Christ, have mercy. O Lord, have mercy. O Christ, hear us. God the Father in heaven, have mercy. God the Son, Redeemer of the world, have mercy. God the Holy Spirit, have mercy. Be gracious to us. Spare us, good Lord. Be gracious to us. Help us, good Lord. By the mystery of your holy incarnation, by your holy nativity, by your baptism, fasting, and temptation, by your agony and bloody sweat, by your cross and passion, by your precious death and burial, by your glorious resurrection and ascension, and by the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Help us, good Lord, in all time of our tribulation, in all time of our prosperity, in the hour of death, and in the day of judgment. Help us, good Lord. We poor sinners implore you to hear us, O Lord, to prosper the preaching of your word, to bless our prayer and meditation, to strengthen and preserve us in the true faith, and to give heart to our sorrow and strength to our repentance. We implore you to hear us, good Lord, to draw all to yourself, to bless those who are instructed in the faith, to watch over and console the poor, the sick, the distressed, the lonely, the forsaken, the abandoned, and all who stand in need of our prayers, to give abundant blessing to all works of mercy, and to have mercy on us all. We implore you to hear us, good Lord, to turn our hearts to you, to turn the hearts of our enemies, persecutors, and slanderers, and graciously to hear our prayers. We implore you to hear us, good Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. We implore you to hear us. Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, have mercy. Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, have mercy. Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, grant us your peace. O Christ, hear us. O Lord, have mercy. O Christ, have mercy. O Lord, have mercy. Amen. O God, you desire not the death of sinners rather that they turn from their wickedness and live. We implore you to have compassion on the frailty of our mortal nature, 
for we acknowledge that we are dust, and to dust we shall return. Mercifully pardon our sins, that we may obtain the promises you have laid up for those who are repentant. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You, you may be seated. Uh, come, just come and line up in the middle and uh, come to the front. Oh 
Psalm 51, classic psalm of repentance from David. Please say it with me. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. The Old Testament reading is from Joel chapter 2. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room in the brighter chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priest, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where's their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I'm sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Epistle reading is from 2 Corinthians 5 and 6. Paul says, We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be, no, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I have to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, 
as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the gospel reading. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 6. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's confess our faith together with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated.
So uh, these are the readings for Ash Wednesday, just about every year. And um, I like to bounce around. I think last year I talked about the reading from Joel. And this year, if I can, I like to talk about the reading from Matthew, from the Sermon on the Mount. Whenever I talk to people, you guys, I've had conversations today, in fact. Whenever I talk to uh, uh, Christians about Lent, the first thing that comes up in the conversation is, are you going to give up something? Should we give up something? What do you think about giving up something for Lent? Is that something that we should do? And it's a conversation that is, uh, it, it, almost every, every one of my conversations about Lent starts off with, should we give up something? And usually we think of, you know, some sort of delicious food or uh, some sort of fun activity that you enjoy that maybe you can give up for Lent. And, some, you know, so what the goal, usually when you talk to uh, mature believers who are giving up something for Lent, the goal, like it is with all fasting, is to deny yourself something and to feel that craving for it and to kind of sit down in the craving and realize that there are some things that only Jesus can fill. There are some cravings that only Jesus can fill. And a lot of times we don't feel those because honestly, I'm never really, I'm never really hungry. I'm never really in need of much of anything. And so that chance of feeling that lack of something and being like, I need something, but I can't, I've decided I'm not going to whatever eat whatever it is. You know, I'm not going to eat meat for you know, the 46 days of Lent. To feel that and to be like, I'm not gonna fill that up with anything. I'm gonna let Jesus fill that hole. That's sometimes a wise thing to do. But of course, it's not commanded, right? I mean, the Bible doesn't ever say there's a chunk of time in the year when you need to give up, you know, pick something that you're gonna give up. So if it's, helpful for, if, if it's helpful for you, that's good. If it's not helpful for you, you're free to not do it. Some people do it and some people don't. Some of you have decided to give up something and some of you haven't, and people are all different. If you want ideas about what to give up, I, um, a, my Yahoo News feed included a link to an article in Parade Magazine. It's probably a blog post in Parade Magazine, which suggested 30 things that you could give up for Lent if, you're, if you've run out of ideas and like chocolate's not doing it for you anymore. And, and the, the 30 things are, a lot of those are the, same, the sort of things that you know that hear people say that they will give up. Uh, you know, a certain type of food or video games. I'm going to give up video games for, you know, or being on my phone or social media or uh, watching movies or something like that. But some of the things are actually kind of interesting because uh, I have a hard time connecting them with the spiritual benefit of fasting. Not that the list is bad, but that there's some things in there that are just odd. One of the things that the, that the writer suggested was giving up excuses not to work out as, a, as a, a way to celebrate Lent or giving up worrying. I saw that one and I thought, I didn't know it was that easy. I didn't know you could just be like, oh, it's Lent. I'm not going to worry for 40 days. Like, I, I wish that I had known. I could have saved a lot of uh, emotional energy. Uh, the, uh, one thing was uh, clutter, giving up clutter, which also is odd. Like, who enjoys clutter in the rest of their life? But most worrying was low self-esteem, to give up low self-esteem for Lent. Now, one of the things I like about this list is that it's not 
heavily emphasizing the negative. It is a little bit of a hint that there's something positive about Lent, whether you give something up or don't give something up. There's something positive about Lent that we can glean from, that we can actually enjoy. What I don't like about it, of course, is the message that there's a direct correlation, like there's a one-to-one shot between where I'm at now and not having low self-esteem anymore, and all I have to do is give it up. Because I, one of the things that we know as, well, any sort of like self-aware adult knows this, we Christians of all people should know it, is that there is no one-to-one shot between your low, low self-esteem now and having better self-esteem. You can't just decide to have good self-esteem unless you're just completely unaware of who you are. I'm not being critical, I'm speaking primarily about myself. The good thing about Lent, though, is that it reminds us that there is actually a step to glory. That, there, that, 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 that the, 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 the glory of resurrection, the glory of the kingdom of God, doesn't just happen because you decide it happens. It happens because the Son of God became human and decided to suffer in order to make it happen and invites us as his people not to suffer sacrificially, but because we're joined with him through faith to suffer along with him. And Lent is a great way to recognize that I can't get self-esteem by deciding I'm going to like myself more. That actually, the message, one of the messages of Lent is this, that the path to self-esteem is the path of losing oneself. The path to satisfaction is actually the path of repentance. In the words of Jim Elliott, the famous uh, missionary, Lent is about giving up. He didn't say this was about Lent, but he said this, and I'm going to apply it to Lent. Giving up what we can't keep in order to gain what we can't lose. Chocolate. Uh, Netflix, social media, these are all things that are incredibly temporary, that are here and that they're gone, and we feel like we need them tonight or we can't be satisfied. And to give those up, to remember the one thing that we can't lose, which is the love of God in Jesus Christ, is a valuable discipline. In other words, to sum up, Lent is about this. The path to resurrection goes through the cross. As I said in my sermon on Sunday, we do not believe in a theology of glory. We believe in a theology of the cross. Glory comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. It's not had for the picking. It's not had outside of the suffering of Jesus. And Lent is a good reminder. And to sum up again, if it helps you to give something up, then that's great. As long as you're not giving something up as some sort of um, self-flagellation to demonstrate to yourself or to other people that you are spiritual. But in order to focus on the real valuable thing, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In our gospel reading in Matthew chapter 6, it's, a good, it's actually a good Lent text because Jesus invites us to give stuff up. There are three things specifically in our reading, and in the lectionary, they leave out chunks of, of, of Matthew 6, and that's fine. We can focus on what they have given us. There are three things that God asks us to give up, that Jesus asks us to give up. The first is in verse 2. When you give to the needy, Jesus asks us to give our money or our food or our energy or our time or whatever to the needy. Look in verse 5. And when you pray, Jesus says, what is prayer besides giving time to God? And in fact, when I talk to most Christians and when I, when, I, when I look at myself in the mirror and I find myself making excuses for not praying, it's almost always, I'm just in a big rush. I'm, I'm gonna get to it later. What, what, what is prayer, what is conversation with anybody besides giving from your time to their time? What is prayer besides giving up your time to God's time? In verse 16, when you fast, Jesus asks us to give up our food for him. Jesus asks us to give up our stuff. He invites us to give up our money to the needy, give up our time to him, give up our food for the sake of feeling our need of him more. But if you'll notice here, 
This is not just sort of random, hey, I need you to give some stuff up to prove your loyalty to me. Do you see what Jesus is actually asking us to give up here? Did anybody notice this? It's actually not the food and the time and the money he's asking us to give up. It's actually something deeper than that. Look what he says. When you give to the needy, don't sound any trumpet before you, verse 2, because, uh, or, or don't act like the hypocrites do, because they want to be praised by others, he says in verse 2. Verse 3, when you pray, don't do it publicly. Don't, do it, don't stand on the street corners and pray, because people do that to be seen by others. Same thing with fasting in verse 16. When you fast, don't do it in order that your fasting may be seen by others, he says later on in verse 16. Don't give, don't pray, don't fast, don't sacrifice in order that you can be seen and praised by others. You see what he's saying? I know, I know my own heart, and this is easy for me to say, see about myself because I'm a huge, massive people pleaser, is that when I do good works, one of my number one motivations is that people will know that I am doing good works. Why is that? It's because I am who I am. My self-evaluation of who I am is strongly dependent upon you recognizing me and you praising me. I don't know, we're, I think we're probably all like this to some extent. Some of you are not as bad about this as I am. But honestly, if I preach a sermon and nobody like comments on it, if I work hard on a Bible study, if I put the dishes away for Angela and she doesn't say, oh, thanks for putting the dishes away. There's a part of me that's like, well, what good was that? You know, I didn't get anything out of that. So what am I doing? This is actually, this is actually self-justification. This is, I have value if Angela notices me, if you guys notice me. If I can get praise and recognition from you guys. You see what Jesus is after? He's saying when you pray, when you fast, when you give, don't do it in order to be self-justified. Don't do it in order to get credit, the kind of credit that we each need that our hearts crave in order to be valued and feel like I have worth. We don't do it for those reasons. Instead, there's a better way. And the better way is he is going to give himself to us. He's not really asking us to give ourselves up. Just the selves that we're trying to build up through other people noticing us. Just the self-justification parts of ourselves. He wants that. See, that's what Lent is about. It's not about giving, giving up something you like because there's some sort of value in asceticism. There's not. That's kind of a medieval Roman Catholic notion that if you're miserable as a Christian, you're more spiritual. It's actually not true. God wants you to be happy. There's pleasures at his right hand forevermore. But what he wants you to do sometimes is to say, so he's waving to my friend John Chomko who's leaving back there. What he wants us to do sometimes is say, all the things that we value because they give us meaning outside of Jesus, every once in a while turn your back on those things and just get your meaning from Jesus. Another way to say it in the text is this. Stop putting your money in a bank that can't protect your money. Start investing in a bank that can protect your money. Invest in a bank where the things that you invest are not temporary, but invest in a bank that will keep and will multiply your investment for eternity. He uses bank language like this in verses 19 through 21. Look at it with me. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. They didn't have banks in ancient Israel. Uh, you could loan your money to people, but as far as like buildings where you could go and actually put your money, uh, that didn't happen. Instead, frequently what people would do would be to bury money. In fact, you could go on eBay right now and buy Roman coins from Jesus' day. You buy Jewish coins that people buried in the ground because that's what you did to, to keep your money secure. And then you, you, know, you, you go off to war and you don't come back or you forget that you buried it there and then some, some 
guy in the 21st century with a metal detector comes along and finds it and sells it on eBay. You, you, doing that is a good way to lose your money. It's going to, it's going to rot. It's going to be, if you get this money off of eBay, it's hard, you've got to go through all these steps to get it cleaned up. It's hardly noticeable because of the rust and because of the corruption. Instead, verse 20, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus is saying this, not loss. Lent is not about setting aside something for loss's sake. Not loss for loss' sake, but loss in order to gain. Another way to put it is this. Look at verse 18 again. You lose, you fast, you give up food, not so that you can be seen by others, but why? Last line of verse 18, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. You do this so that you can gain the pleasure of your father. Not that fasting gains the pleasure, that you already have that in Jesus Christ, but so that you can be more aware of that. And when you're fasting for the sake of Jesus, when you're fasting in order to trust in him more, in order to experience his love more, in order to, in, in order to know what it's like to crave him and be satisfied by him only, you are never, in that moment, you will be very, very aware of the fact that your Father in heaven is rewarding you. Same thing with the, uh, the section on praying in verse five. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you, verse six says. Same thing with the section on giving, uh, giving to the needy, last line of verse uh, four. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The bank of earth is not secure. Those things we deposit in heaven are secure. The reward that we get is not from other people noticing it. It's not from this sense that, like, I've got willpower. It's not, worst of all, it's not from this sense that when I, when I give up something or when I, when I devote myself to a season of repentance that God's really going to look at me and say, wow, he's really beating himself up like crazy. He, he must be really, really worthy of being one of mine. It's not because of that. It's because the rewards that he offers us are eternal are in, and are in heaven and are from heaven. What does this mean? Let's circle this back to Jesus. Jesus calls us to give up. Ash Wednesday is a great way to kick off Lent. This text is a great way to kick off Lent because what Lent is fundamentally about is about Jesus' going to the cross, Jesus' death and resurrection. It's about that path. And consequently, of course, uh, uh, his resurrection. Did I say his, did I, I meant going to the cross, Jesus' path to the cross, and then ultimately his resurrection. Like our suffering is not done to gain favor. All the suffering that has to be done in Lent has already been done by our Savior, Jesus, on the cross. Giving up chocolate actually doesn't make God happy. It can't compare with God becoming a human being and giving up his own life. And, to, and pretend like there's something missing in the sacrifice of Jesus that my giving up Netflix will somehow fill up is incredibly idolatrous. Instead, though, you, you look at Lent and you see Jesus lost his own life. He did this long journey from the Mount of Transfiguration to the Garden of Gethsemane, to Mount Calvary for me. And along the way, he said things like, if anybody wants to follow me, take up your cross and come along with me. All the while, the treasure is his. The treasure comes from, by the way, here's what I mean. This is another way of saying what I mean. The treasure that you lay up in heaven is not treasure that you get when you go to heaven. What Jesus is not saying is, is stop working for, you know, Stop working for the things of the earth in terms of like, you know, quit your job, abandon your family, and just devote yourself to like the spiritual disciplines. He's not saying this. He's saying that seeking your justification not from men, but from Jesus, is a way of laying up treasure. It's a way of depositing money in the bank of heaven. You don't have to go to heaven to get this, 
right? I, I've said this before. Like if, 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 if you say to me, I've got a lot of money in the bank, I assume that what you mean is that you don't go to the bank and say, hey, can I have my money? I want to sit in the lobby and enjoy this money for a little bit. Nobody does this. When we say we have a lot of money in the bank, what we mean is, is that there's money that's stored up in a safe place that is mine and that I can have because it's mine. And when Jesus says you have treasure stored up for you in heaven, he doesn't mean you have to go to heaven and get it. He means that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the gifts of salvation that Jesus has won for us are coming to us. But the path to that is the pathway of Lent. Is the pathway of Lent. It's the pathway of his suffering. We, and last line, I'll be done. We don't come to Lent to give up something in order to become a better Christian. We come to Lent learning to give up all of ourselves to the one who promises that he's already given up all of himself. And because he's done that, he now owns everything and is giving that to us. Okay, please stand with me and let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we know that you love to forgive us. And we also know that you know all of our transgressions. Father, break our hearts over our sins. Cleanse and renew them by your word and by your sacrament. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, in your word and by your Holy Spirit, you lead us in the way of righteousness. Would you give us faithful hearts that in this upcoming Lent season we would serve you and our church and our neighbors in selfless love and find our reward only in you. Lord, in your mercy. Father, look graciously on our nation and on its leaders. Look graciously on all civil servants and on all those who protect us and work for the common good. Lord, please drive away all disease and all fear from us. Give us peace, we pray. Lord, in your mercy. Oh Lord, have mercy on all who are sick, all who suffer, and all who rejoice. Be with all of our expectant mothers in our congregation. Be, be with all expectant mothers everywhere. Be with all whose work is dangerous. Be with the unemployed. Be with those of us near death and those who mourn. Comfort us who are dust and must return to dust with the promise of your Son's resurrection. Lord, in your mercy. Father, we thank you this evening for the healthy birth of Addie Brockenhoff, born to Devin and Mackenzie this morning. Please continue to keep mother and child safe. Bring Addie safely to the waters of baptism. And Father, may she never know a moment in time when she's unaware of your love for her and her Savior, Jesus. Lord, in your mercy. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. For to you alone, Father, we give all glory, honor, and worship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Together, let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of us. Amen. Ascended my sin.
drops of 